0: Welcome to Quill and Ink, a podcast for book lovers, hosted by Jenna Green and Miranda O. Oh. They will be speaking to authors of many different genres to explore themes around writing and storytelling. Join them for engaging and intellectually stimulating conversation with artists from all corners of the world. Hi, welcome to Quill and Ink. My name is Jenna Green a YA fantasy author, author of the Imagine series and the dystopian thriller Reborn. Uh, with me is Miranda O, a contemporary chick lit author, author of the Chin Up, Tits Out series, and she is eager and anxious to introduce our guest for today.
1: Hey, Miranda. Hello, hello. I'm super eager because my guest, our guest, is from the same hometown I am, so I feel like we're neighbors. Even though we live nowhere close to each other. But our guest today is Robert G. Penner. He's a Canadian author that's currently living in Pennsylvania. He has many, many short stories published over the years and has now released his debut novel, Strange Labor. And it is a work of post-apocalyptic fiction that varies from the norm and has been recognized by Publishers Weekly as one of the best books of 2020. We need all the best things from 2020 that we can get. (laughs) So I'm so happy to dive in here. And he's also the founder and editor of The Big Echo, a critical science or critical science fiction. So welcome. Thank you for Thank joining you. us today. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi. Okay. So how does it feel to have your first full-length novel recognized and supported? It's a big thing compared to your short stories out there.
2: Uh, surprising. I'd say it was It was fairly unexpected. I mean, I, I expended a fair amount of social capital with some writers I knew, so I, I was getting positive feedback, but the Publishers Weekly thing was way out of left field, we weren't expecting that at all. It's just a small publisher from uh, Regina, so it's a Western Canadian publisher with not much experience in the American market. So we were were astounded, to be honest, to get that kind of recognition. It was just, it was an anonymous review. Someone just read the book and really liked it. And whoever you are, anonymous reviewer, thank you very, very (laughs) much for that sensitive read. So it was, Totally surprised, this
0: is why reviews are so important totally yeah.
1: totally, and it just goes to show how much one review can actually make an impact on an author 's journey right mm-hmm. um, now for me the one well, the, the first time I got a big review i happy dance and I think I cried a little <laughs> bit after making like the football. I'm like, guess what happened? So, um, did you have, do you have, did you have the opportunity to celebrate this big win for yourself?
2: Well, yes and no. I mean, it's 2020. Um, and we were pretty much <laughs> locked down. So we, what did we do? I think we ordered Indian. I think that was, that was the, the celebration was, uh, we ordered, we ordered out. Nice. Um, and enjoyed a quiet meal at home. Uh, it would have been nice to go out for a drink, but it just wasn't on the books, so to speak.
1: You. I hear yeah. you, I hear you. Well, you gotta love some good old Indian food. I had Indian the other day for supper and it was actually all homemade and it did not taste the same as a restaurant, but it was, it's definitely that time of year yeah. where that it's comfort food. It just warms you up from the inside out. Plus I like eating with my hands when I can, so oh. yeah. Anyways, I really want to dive into, (laughs) yeah. moving on, um, I really want to dive into your move to the States. Like Jenna and I are both proud Canadians. You are a Winnipegger. I'm a Winnipegger. So what prompted your move to the States?
2: My partner got a job. Um, We were both academics and we'd finished our PhDs and whoever got the first job, that was where we're going to go. And there's an awful lot of universities in the United States, so odds were it was going to be to the States. So we moved down here. Our daughter was six when we moved down. So it was a little hard on the family, both sides to make that switch, but it's been great. Um, I do miss Canada an awful lot.
1: Do you come up here to visit often pre-COVID?
2: At least once a year, I'd say. Um, And my folks actually moved from Winnipeg to Southern Ontario um, because my brother's out there. So they drive down quite a bit as well, but uh, Nicole's mom, once or twice a, once a year, at least I should say, comes down and we go back. Usually we drive back in the summer, um, if we can. And sometimes at Christmas as well, nice. uh, just so our daughter can at least get a sense of what winter actually is.
0: Uh, the snow is higher uh, than my car right now. You- <laughs> <is it? laughs> oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> it was snowing those big, crystally snowflakes today. Uh-huh. And my partner was looking out the window and he's like, man, the snow looks like bling bling here. And I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> what are you about? he's like, you know, I don't like the cold. I know you don't like the cold, but he's like, sometimes it's just so peaceful and so beautiful to look at. And I do think that there's an aspect of that is when there's a real, real winter that's cold with uh-huh. lots of snow, that that fluttery little snow and how it just covers everything and creates a blank slate. It is a peaceful and kind of calming thing to, yeah. to experience. And you don't- and like Then cold you cold. have to <laughs> shovel it.
2: <laughs> that's right. And then you have to shovel I don't even mind that. And and I miss the the actual cold the cold weather I actually miss in winter because at least in Winnipeg it's super dry yeah. and it's cold but I miss yeah. the sound you know when it's so cold the snow creaks under your feet and yeah. and and the colors change everything's sort of blue and pink in the evenings and mornings and I miss. I miss it all. It's just just
1: so bright, which is kind of the opposite of what you would expect in winter. But there are so many places that have winter being overcast and damp and and that chill to your bone. And yes, don't get me wrong, minus 50 Celsius with the wind chill is bitterly cold. But that Mm -hmm. crunching of the (laughs) snow underneath the ground and when your eyelashes stick together. Yeah, freezing. You know, there's just something about it that you're like... Man, you can't do Christmas without that.
2: <laughs> no, you need the snow and you need the cold. And you need to stomp your feet when you get in the house to get all the all the frost off the boots. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: and like the lukewarm water because you can't do hot, hot. You can, like, <laughs> that's burn, right. burn. It's got to like slowly warm your body up to that. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's definitely one of a kind. Um, I don't know if I, I've done a couple of Christmases outside of Manitoba and uh, it just wasn't the same. Like it just, mm-hmm. it just wasn't. Um, Christmas lights are starting to go up in, in my neighborhood. The, the, it's absolutely crazy. It's no it's middle of November. Yeah, I know. I actually, but think- it's 2020 and we've earned it. Let's just start. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Jenna, you said that, right? Like It is 2020, and there has to be reasons to celebrate. And my province has gone into critical lockdown, so it's like Mm -hmm. we got to find some way to be all jolly. Like maybe we can go drive up and down the block and you know, rate Christmas lights for entertainment. And so you, you said the States has been absolutely fantastic for you since your move and you've been there for a while. So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Do you have any plans on moving back up to Canada in the future?
2: Um, I think in the relatively near future, we'll probably, we'll probably move back uh, just, just to be at home. Yeah. And also, I mean, I want my daughter, she's now, she's now 11. So I want her to have a sense of what it is to be, to be Canadian and to live in Canada. And, yeah. And to see how her families, where her families are from, and how they live, and yeah, I just wanted to know that kind of thing.
1: Totally, those are values that I hold very dear to my to 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 myself. I love traveling. I love going to experience different cultures and different places. Um, but did I lose you. Oh no, you were still here on our end. Okay, hear you.
2: It's <laughs> a little choppy.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah. So there's, there's a little bit, there's those values that I hold close to. It's like, there's something about just being Canadian and, Mm -hmm. and loving home. Um, and I think that, that says a lot for, for a lot of us is that if you go globally, a lot of people are, it's always home to them, but they can't always stay there. So to have a home that you can kind of always come back to is something to, to hold very dear in your heart. So that's pretty cool. Yeah.
2: And I traveled. I traveled a lot when I was younger, like a lot. Uh, and I didn't really think of myself as like super Canadian until like I I was a little older, and I suddenly realized, well, it's always been there. It's always been sort of safe and and what I know. Um, and so it became increasingly important to me. The the older I get, I'd say that that sort of that cultural safe spot that I just knew what was happening and how and why and and it was comfortable.
1: Yeah, definitely. The safety and the comfort is something that us Canadians try to hold very tightly, but it also, I think it also stems from when you do have the opportunity to travel a lot, that mm-hmm. you see what everything else in the the world has to offer. And you're like, this is great. Love the experience, but uh, can't wait to get home. And I find yeah. that every time I come home from a
0: vacation, I'm like, Oh yes home (laughs) my own bed (sighs) well probably because the last trip i went on i had to sleep on an airport floor and 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 then they had my luggage and then we had to go back with a flight so um maybe it's part of that but just your own bed at the end of the trip just makes it great Oh, it yeah. for sure
1: does. It for sure does. It makes a big difference. So, um, And now to switch the gears one more time before I pass it on to Jenna, I really want to dive into where your love from science fiction came. As I get older, my love for science fiction is starting to manifest into this big old bear where I was like, I didn't even realize I was into science fiction until, you know, 2020 (laughs) happened and I have all this extra time (laughs) on my hands and I'm like, Oh, look at this. I can't wait to read this book or, Oh, I can't wait to watch this TV show. And you asked me a year ago if I would have ever been interested and I would have said no, like not at all. But now I'm so intrigued in it. So where does your love come from?
2: oh childhood i'd say i mean i'm not i'm not like a super science fiction person um if someone says they read a good book i'm going to have a look at it and and read it when I was a kid, I read a lot my brother my older brother read a ton he'd bicycle to the to the local library and he'd come home with bags and bags of books and it was usually science fiction um or fantasy, so I think it's mostly a childhood thing in my late teens and early twenties i didn't I didn't read it much, but then when I started writing more, um, I started reading science fiction a little more too. And I think it was just the idea of sort of a what if game. It's just super fun to just make a couple of rules. This is how things are changing. This is what the scenario is. And then just play within that set of rules. So I think for me, a lot of it as an adult and a writer is just this idea that there's rules. I mean, they exist in all forms of writing, but in science fiction in particular, there's always a set of ideas and everything has to somehow meet or make sense within that set of ideas. And it's just, it's just, it's just fun. It's a game. So it's, I think in a lot of ways, it's the most obviously a game uh, of the different forms of writing. And I would say that's probably it. It's just, it's fun. It makes
0: it's sense. Fun. Totally. Yeah. I, I write fantasy and you're creating yeah. worlds and you think, what if, and um, and the world building is fun. It is yes. just and, and then it's really, but the, the story really gets going once you put your character in that world and then you play that out and that's, so there's like the the background work and that's super fun and then the next stage and it's,
2: yeah. And unexpected outcomes, right? Like you create your world and you have your character and you think you know what's happening and then you start playing with it and then as you play new things happen that you didn't expect and, and yeah. is a real, I think a real pleasure. always.
0: Half my characters are feral and don't listen to whatever I'm planned out. So, (laughs) um, yeah. And and a lot of people don't know that 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 aren't writers. They think that the author has complete control, but there's an element of mystery as, you know, like one thought or one line that you type in will trigger all sorts of other things that you hadn't thought of. And now you have to change your pacing, your character, your plot. Yeah.
1: It's like your your fingers and your mind sometimes don't jive and they get disconnected and your fingers will take you into another direction that your head didn't want you to go into and then you stop and you're like, whoa, well done. Well (laughs) done. (laughs) Well done.
0: So Miranda mentioned earlier that um this this novel, your debut novel, is post apocalyptic fiction that varies from the norm. So wh- how or why does this book different uh, than other books in the genre?
2: And I would say there's, there's two main ways it's different. The first is it doesn't really explain itself. Um, so the basic premise is, is that one day, for whatever reason, most of the world's population suddenly just gets up and they leave the cities and the towns and they aren't talking and they just start working together to build these massive labyrinthine earthworks. And then there's a handful of people left behind and they don't understand what's happening. Um, and they never do actually learn or get a real sense of what's happening because in such a situation, how, how could you? So a lot of the book is people talking and trying to understand the situation they don't understand. Um, so that's one of the big themes of the book is just simply, well, you're stuck in these sort of these existences and you don't understand why it's happening or how, and you still have to make sense of life and live well Um, and how do you do that? So that's the big theme of the book. Um, The other way it's not typically post-apocalyptic is there's very little violence in it Um, and there's very little high drama. Um, So most of the action in the book, most of the day-to-day events are quite sort of um, quotidian. Um, It's just people caring for each other, looking for food, um, having dinner parties or whatever, but just living in these spaces and and again, it's related to not knowing really what's going on. There's not high drama. It's not good versus evil. Um, I mean, there's some allusion to violence. There's some violence that kind of occurs off screen, but it's not. It's not Mad Max. Um, so nobody who wants to read. Um, um, Mohawk bikers decapitating <laughs> each other with dreams. no like, zombies this book is not no. for you <laughs> don't read it don't read it um, no,
1: no zombies or Mohawks. no
2: zombies <laughs> no. it's quite it's a very quiet book um
1: i so. think it's also a kind of a interesting there's there could be an interesting connection to how 2020 has been you know minus all of the movements that have happened, if you Uh look simply at just the COVID-19 piece of our lives around the world, it has been one of these situations where it is quiet. We have to sit around the dinner table with just our families because we can't see anybody. We have Mm -hmm. to care for each other in ways that we weren't really responsible or relied upon to do that beforehand because our lives are so busy with all this excess noise. Like that's right. Right. So I'm, I'm hearing you say this and I'm like, man, that sounds like the last seven months in our lives that's an
2: excellent observation and it actually caused me some anxiety because i wrote the book before it happened and then this thing happens and it's like well is it will people want not your to fault look at this or will they want a break right like what do you do when well, there's nothing you can the book's done I really
0: how does it end we need to know how <laughs> yeah. is, is there a sequel coming so we can try this uh, thing out no,
2: there will be no there will be no i'm gonna change gears um oh. there will be no sequel yeah
1: Cool. Yeah, that would definitely give me some anxiety. I'd be like, oh my goodness, higher powers, the universe. What kind of insight have you given me and what have I done with it? (laughs) Yeah,
2: no, there shall be no, no deep insights provided. Oh,
1: That's super cool though. I like that. I like that we can kind of connect it and maybe it might turn some extra people onto the book and pick it up this year just to look at a different perspective on how they have handled the last year Mm -hmm. of this COVID and how people are handling it in your book be relatable yeah,
2: oh. also what oh. you said about caretaking for people of people like some things we didn't think about before that's also a big a big theme in the book and how it's not just it's hard to take care of people and constantly be thinking of other people and the consequences of one's actions it's very draining it's
0: exhausting yes i'm a parent yes <laughs> are
2: you yeah yeah it's like it Our brain wrote.
0: does not end <laughs> It, it just keeps going.
2: It just goes
0: on and on. It just, it just never ends. You're always thinking yep. and it takes up a lot of energy. Yeah. Even yeah. when you're not really thinking of it. And then, you know, I'm thinking about my dad because he's getting a little bit older and all this stuff about me tends to be last. and then I'm a hot mess and I'm like, but everyone mm-hmm. else is organized and ordered. So it's an interesting way to, to look at that about the, the, the emotional drain. I yeah. guess I'm a teacher as well. So, you know, people are always like, why are you so tired at the end of the day? You didn't run a marathon. I'm like, but I am looking after yeah, little people all day. And, and it, thinking it,
2: ahead yeah. too, right? It's not just the day, it's not just the moment. You also always have to be planning and considering and
0: it's, it really wears everything. You down everything. Yeah. every minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then somehow finding all their mittens. That's right. <laughs> the, mittens.
2: the 20 minutes to get ready. Just to leave
0: the house. Just Recess is like an, to an to hour pee. process. I gotta pee now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's right.
0: Um, I will say, in my kid's defense, yesterday, she stayed out in the snow longer than it took to get her in her snow gear. So.
2: <laughs> yes. That feels That's like a, a big
0: accomplishment. That is a win. <laughs> Just, uh, I wanted to ask a question about... The novel there's a a quote that's been going around that says you say that this book is a meditation on the meaning of humanity so i think we've kind of talked about that a little bit but what is you do you come to a conclusion do you personally have one
2: do i uh not not really no um i think it's i think it's largely um improvised um in the sense that depending on your situation Um, you're going to have to relate to your world in in different ways. Um, I would say that what's very critical to to my sense of humanity and the sense of humanity in the book that it it has to do ultimately with cooperation um, and communication Um, and just in little ways too like trying to get a child dressed in the morning is a, is a tremendous exercise of patience and cooperation and, and communication. Um, and even if it doesn't feel like it, even if you're just trying to get the boots on and the mitts on and the toque on, it's, still, it's all still about communication. It's all about trying to teach this little person how to cooperate and how to respond and how to, how to be together in the same social space um, in sort of, uh, kind and generous ways. So I, w- I would say that it's, it's about communication and cooperation and, and just I get that. to survive.
0: Yeah. Society, like humans have that social need, right? They There's right. lots of animals that live their whole life and they were alone and that's that's what they do the lockdown showed me I need people (laughs) and it it affected me emotionally affected me mentally it it physically changed my daughter's personality until she could be back so your novel where people are physically leaving it, it would take a toll on the characters in in ways that they might not have expected, and then they're trying to figure out why. At least with our situation in, in this real life, we kind of know why, right? We kind tension. of able to explain to her
2: there's a tension right when you're talking about the the stresses right you're it's like you're a different person when you're alone with when you're with other people or a different group of people so one of the themes of the novel too is this movement of the main character she moves from isolation into groups and then back into isolation and it's always stressful the transitions are always emotionally stressful it feels like you're a different person all the time and every time that happens it's, it's work. It's a type of labor, um, to sort of recreate yourself and reestablish relations with other, with other people in, in meaningful ways. It's exhausting.
0: Some people do well on their own and alone with their thoughts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Other people really hate it. They will yes. do anything to avoid being alone with in their another. thoughts. And, and I, I think I'm the hybrid, right? Sometimes uh-huh. I want to be alone with my thoughts and sometimes, but to not have that choice. Mm -hmm. right when you need to be with people but they're not there or you need oh yeah i need to read this book just to see what the characters do when their needs cannot be met and what they want and what is presented isn't meshing
1: and then how Uh to find that balance right like if we're all going into this second lockdown and you know your book's coming Mm -hmm. to a closing and like all of this like there could be resolution right it's just okay if you're one of these people that doesn't like to sit still and in their own thoughts and then you're forced to be at home by yourself and sit in your own thoughts that's extreme opposites you hopefully move into the next phase of your life understanding that life requires it's like a balancing act right and You learn to find this happy medium of being that hybrid of being alone in your thoughts and appreciating that downtime, but then also really enjoying that, that people Mm -hmm. time and that social aspect of life without it draining you completely. But that's, it's consistent. It's a consistent battle through life. As I'm sure your characters in your book have, have figured that out or experienced that as well is that what worked with this transition right. may not work with my right? Right. And So you said this constant battle, but at the end of the day, it's self-learning and you know, you should never stop learning within yourself and kind of figuring out what your balance is. Yeah.
2: And the other thing about the COVID too, right. Is the inevitability of it. There's nothing you can do about it, right. It's coming and there's going to be a lockdown and, and you need to learn what am i going to do in such a situation how do i respond right and so like you're you're, you know like you might not behave the way you think you should you might behave perfectly none of that really matters what matters is there's this 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 inevitability this thing's happening it's indifferent to you it doesn't care what you feel
0: exactly
2: um so what are you going to do and how are you going to respond and how are you going to react
0: well said i completely agree with you Just, well, well, the race is like 30 questions I was going to ask. Um, no, I just wanted to wrap up because, um, you're the founder and editor of Big Echo Critical Science Fiction. Uh, Why is it called Critical Science Fiction and not just Science Fiction? What is uh, the difference between Science Fiction and Critical Science Fiction?
2: Uh, it's sort of, it's like a, it's a high level nerdiness, I'd say It's, 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 it's When I say critical science fiction, what I mean is science fiction. That's not just like fun. It's not just about like um, having a riotous experience or a fantasy. It's about thinking. It's science fiction that is always aware of the conditions that produce it. Right. So it's um, It's sort of a leftist kind of a Marxist kind of a way of thinking about how art's produced. Um, So when I'm talking about critical science fiction, what I want is science fiction writers who are interested both in, why am I writing, how am I writing, and what am I writing in relation to, and and how is this related to the larger condition of the world? So it's like sort of serious stuffy. um,
0: So not just an adventure for the characters,
2: but an underlying
0: something, there's some meat to just,
2: it. I, so when, when academics use words like critical, generally what they're referring to is just being aware of how things are being produced. So in particular, the political and the economic and the social conditions that produce science fiction. So why is science fiction the way it is right now? Why, for instance, is Star Wars incredibly popular? Star Wars isn't cr- critical, it's fun, right? It's just, yeah. it's fun, but a critical take would be like, okay, I wanna understand why this is popular, right now what is it about that fun experience that is really zeitgeisty that people really love like why is everyone how, so how excited is star trek endured
0: yes yes I get that's
2: it. a great question right yeah. like why that why that form why does it continue to be popular what is it that's in there
0: yeah,
1: okay.
2: that people keep liking
0: or looking at themes and trends and things across science fiction hmm. yeah yeah okay i get it yeah, like that. yeah so that's just more some or less what it, it is it. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. It's putting an added layer of relatability and connectivity to it. So let's
2: yeah. figure and it And it usually, and usually when people say critical, it also means specifically linking art to sort of political and social ideas. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's usually, I mean, none of the stuff we published in Big Echo was like super political or instructive or demanding of people, but it was all just self-consciously political in that it didn't ignore con- questions and conditions that super fun science fiction might not be remotely concerned about, right? right. Like, so in Star Wars, you don't actually want to start thinking about why it's okay to have a droid as a slave, right? You don't want to think about that. It's going to ruin the experience, right? But that's what critical science fiction would do. It would say, okay, what's really interesting is that droids are slaves and we're okay with it. And then it would explore that relationship. Right.
0: Huh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting to look at science fiction because um, you could do a lot on how sometimes the world has influenced science fiction, but in a lot of ways, science fiction has influenced the world. Yep. If you look mm-hmm. a lot of the gadgets on Star Trek and things, especially the early shows, <laughs> then we invented them in the real world, the tablet, <laughs> the flip phone. Um, where's my communicator? But it's interesting that inventors get their ideas from something that someone wrote like it's it's interesting intertwining
2: and how the language of science fiction also enters into popular culture and just because it's a robot right like that's a science fiction term that just became part of how we think about life and when William Gibson coined the the term cyberspace um he didn't think he was going to create this word that was going to become an absolutely ubiquitous kind of a structure of how we imagine the universe, right? It was just, he was just writing a science fiction story. I did an interview with him and I asked him about that. And he more or less said, well, he just, he wasn't interested in like um, spaceships and planets He wanted to write science fiction. And he sort of just needed a place to keep his things. Um, so he invented cyberspace. He said, well, I'll just, I'll make this cyberspace instead of space and I can do my stuff in there. Right. And But now it's got nothing to do with what he wanted it to be. It's a lot more than what a place to keep your things. It changes our life, right? It It affects like this. We're in cyberspace right now. We are. Um, And Gibson did not imagine Zoom um, connecting people the way it does.
1: Yeah. And thank goodness for Zoom. I swear, I think I'm on Zoom seven days a week these days. And... And it's a, such a great way to connect with people, especially with our, our, our with COVID and everything that's mm-hmm. going on. Um, so, you know, thanks for creating cyberspace and then all the yes, other brilliant minds. Thank you, like William have, Gibson. Right. It, it started, yeah. it stems with a little seedling idea like that. And then everybody else just kind of fills in the holes as to what mm. is cyberspace? What is the meaning of it? And how do we use it and utilize it and, Man, that was an insightful 30 minutes. I
0: can't believe that we are done already. <laughs> yeah, we could have done an episode on just the language of science fiction.
2: <laughs> right? no, absolutely.
0: Now I'm really right. I'm really curious now. I'm going to go
1: Google a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I know and I cannot I cannot wait to get my hands on your book. I think it's going to be extremely insightful and for those of us who want to kind of rehash on how we all kind of went through 2020 and COVID, <laughs> I definitely suggest you pick this book up and see if we can connect and relate in a whole other level. So thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please let our listeners know, our listeners and watchers know where they can find you in the social media world and online?
2: Oh, Sure. Um, I have a website for the book called robertgpenner.com, um, which has all the blurbs and the reviews and that kind of crap. Um, I'm also on Twitter, um, at Bill Squirrel, my pseudonym when I first started writing was William Squirrel, um, so I'm at Bill Squirrel.
0: You should have kept that one. Yeah. Like well, it.
2: they wanted, the publishers wanted me to use the the name Penner. I think it probably moves more more books in Western Canada than, than Squirrel would. <laughs> um, so we went with Penner.
1: Hey, that's um, okay. It worked. It not It worked.
2: if you're going to order it the publishers are probably more are a better source than than amazon amazon's been very slow so radiant press in Regina, okay um and it's also at mcnally's right now in winnipeg nice
1: perfect oh those winnipeggers we'll see if they do online or like curbside pickup during the next month (laughs) while we're under lockdown (laughs) (laughs) thank you robert for joining us thank you guys
0: very very honored to share the time with you it was Me great
1: great
0: just a uh, final thank you to our sponsors uh creative edge publicity with mickey mickelson and authors on the air global radio network and of course to all our listeners and all our viewers thank you very much bye bye all right thanks guys Thanks for listening to the Quillening Podcast with your hosts, Jenna Green and Miranda O. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Creative Edge Publicity. Copyright belongs to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. You can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash authors on the air.